It's April 24th, 2014. This is the Hell Yeah Show. We're bringing you best practices for fine living, advice on how to not let technology ruin your day, Emery. So it's not the best Christmas movie. And we're back. I know you don't like me saying it. We're back. Why not? Because it's how we start the show. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, fine. Good. It's actually, I, I'm lying. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of grievances. Uh, for one, uh, I am currently not a licensed uh, driver for a motor vehicle. That seems like not a good state to be in. It is not. Uh, hopefully it is temporary. <laughs> is, so is this, is this like a, your license got taken away or expired or? No, no, no. They, they uh, well, okay. So. I got a letter, and here's the thing, is that I got a letter from, uh, from the state saying, uh, your license is getting yanked on, I can't remember what day it was. Basically, they said uh, I had to, my, my license was, I need to surrender my license by the 22nd. And I mm-hmm. think I got the letter on the 12th, but I was in the midst of like all this tax stuff, and it was like bundled in with that. So I didn't even see it until like last thursday so uh-huh. I, I i only had like a weekend to like figure out what the heck was going on so um apparently what happened was there's this national driver registry can you hear that my rides here yeah <laughs> <laughs> have to get you now. <laughs> they're here to pick me up um so there's this national driver registry and uh and i knew that i had like this ticket because when i got my license renewed they said oh yeah you should uh talk to uh dc um Washington, D.C., because uh, it says here that you've got a problem and who knows what's going on. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, it's uh, from the National Driver Registry and sometimes state, the state will um, pull your license if it's like, you know, been revoked or depending on what it is. And I was just like, really? And they said, yeah, um, if it's like for a moving violation or, or whatever. And I said, oh, I know it's not that. So um, I didn't think anything of it. And uh, it turns out that What's happened is is I have two parking tickets in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. from 2001. Great. <laughs> um, they also have – that's not actually – that's not what's keeping me um, on, the, on the ineligibility list in the District of Columbia. Uh, what's actually happened is there's like a fine on top of that. So this is what they do because I think they're not allowed to put you on that list unless there's – like uh it has to be like a certain type of offense or something but what they've done is they've charged this fine uh or they've they've applied a fine or they've done something to so that they could put me on this list without a moving violation and then they don't accept the payment of that fine until my parking tickets are paid so they refuse to accept money for this penalty or whatever until I pay the parking ticket. So DC is shaking me down right now for $500. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm actually, th- you know, whatever. Um, Wait, the parking ticket is $500 or the fine they put on top of it is $500? Uh, the fine they put on top of it is $95. Okay. <laughs> and the parking tickets are like 100 each, and then they, they've, they doubled them. Okay. As part of the uh, sticking it to you plan. See, this is why they don't let, the, they don't let DC become a state. <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. So <laughs> there's this whole, um, I, I, I talked to them a couple times and then I talked to the people here and I said, 
uh, I need to, you know, figure this out. And they said, well, you can, you, you should file the appeal. And I said, well, how do I do that? And they said, well, do you know the letter we sent you? And I said, yes. And they said, have you read the letter? And I said, yes. And they said, did you read the part where it says tear off this thing at the bottom and send it in to, be, to have an appeal? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, but I didn't think that was, it could possibly be that simple. And they said, it is. Which so is this said, is an appeal for the fine or for the parking tickets? This is an appeal to get my license here restored anyway, in spite of the fact that DC says that I shouldn't be allowed to operate a motor vehicle. I see. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I tore out the thing. I signed my name and I sent it in. And I have no idea like if they're going to like call me and ask me for like information because that would be nice because I'd like to be able to, you know, have something to appeal with rather than just say, can you please take a look at this again? Yeah. But um, in the meantime, I am uh, making sure that I have all my stuff ready to go and getting ready. See, the thing is, is like a DC won't take the, the fee over the phone or online, like I have to mail them the the check to the treasury, uh-huh. and then yeah, uh, the the parking tickets they make very convenient. You can pay those yeah. online anytime. Yeah. But if I if I mail them a check, they refuse payment and they'll send it back because of these tickets. And so I'm looking at this, and uh, they told me like when they were and stuff. And I'm, you know, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, huh, I should uh, look into this and see if this is even possible because one of them seemed really weirdly timed to me, but I'm not. Yeah. So anyways, so I got how, I got to take care of that. Yeah. How, how are you just finding out now that you had parking tickets in two thousand one though? Well, see, that's just it. Um, DC doesn't have to track you down and and find you to make you pay tickets if they can put you on the national registry and just <laughs> extort you the money. Like they they have no they don't need to send me a notice. And I didn't live there. Like two thousand one is like the year I moved. But uh, so you would think like the. I mean, the, the, the tracking you down is, is in their best interest because it helps them get their money quicker. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> because, because most people are, are dirtbags like me that just say, parking ticket, screw you. No, I, I think, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what their, what their rationale is or what their reasoning is, but I do know that they charge an awful lot of money. For, for these, or for the tickets themselves? Oh, or? for everything, yeah. Like, I don't think a parking ticket's ever been 100 bucks before, much less 200 yeah. Even well, with the depend, It depends. Were you parking in front of the White House? <laughs> yeah, no, they blow those up. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, those don't get ticketed or booted. They actually detonate those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Obama. So I think there's like the Benghazi. I think there's a uh, uh, some sort of conspiracy with, uh, with, with this um, practice of putting people on the national driver registry for this, though. I think this is really shady. So I'm kind of curious. Well, I mean, the... the uh, if if they've really made no attempt to reach out to you at all since 2001, well, who, I, I don't know if they did or not. Yeah. I know that I I know that they never talked to me. I yeah. know that I never got something from them, but I don't know how hard they tried. I, like I said, I moved. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, that who sounds. Knows? So that, yeah, that's my that's my continuing saga. And with any with any luck, and 2001 was a really long time ago. This is why I think I was going to tell them to f off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think I think my new my new home. I think the people here are going to say, 2001, really? He has no... T- I, I've had one ticket since 2001. Uh-huh. And it was Either for going was, five over. There was that time you were driving on the wrong set or the wrong way on the road. <laughs> they never ticketed me for no, that. I know. <laughs> what, did, what did he say? What was the... I don't know. Oh, that was the title of our show, I, I was too, so drunk, Alan. How can I possibly remember Yeah, that? right, right. <laughs> no. Um, no, oh, yeah, he said, you know, you're going the wrong way. And I said, <laughs> I know, that's why I turned around. And he goes, you can't go that way, or something yeah. like that. And I said, I know, I turned around. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, they really, you really have to screw up to get a ticket here. Yeah. 
And my, my five over ticket was because I was in a residential and I wasn't even paying. I, I was driving to a bowling alley. It was a bowling emergency alley. Oh, oh no. And it was for a, uh, we were meeting people. It was for a, some sort of a party of some sort. But yeah, we were going to go um, meet up with some people and I was just not paying attention and I was cruising down the street. But um, yeah, still, it's five over. The, the, the gal I talked to at the DMV was like, you only have one ticket. And it was in 2011, which is still three years ago. And they said, and that was for five over. And I said, yeah, I know. And that's the only ticket that I've had in over a decade. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And she, she, she seemed to indicate that this was not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I'm, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, my, my wife will probably make me pay a ticket even if DC doesn't. <laughs> um, so then, uh, but two weeks ago, you know? Yeah. Two weeks ago, when I was allowed to operate a motor vehicle, I drove to uh, um, the campus surplus sale, and I Ooh. lucked out. Mm-hmm. So uh, they always have. So we're on a three-year hardware refresh cycle. They, okay. Yep. So basically, um, every three years, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. all new kit, and that's just the way a lot of companies do it. Where. Um, because it's you know that's how they stay in warranty, and then they just do three years, and then the, at the rate technology moves, like that's that's even too long in some cases. But um, it's the most practical yeah, way I to mean, handle yeah, three, it. Yes, three years seems pretty reasonable. Well, and then you have like you know the 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 neckbeards on Macintosh that are like, my Mac Pro from two thousand five should still be able to run the most current operating system software, and mm-hmm. you know whatever. So you've got those guys too, but the the entire industry, as a general rule, is on a three year cycle. Um, so what happens is, is when things come off of that, they sell stuff at surplus. So some stuff gets, just gets recycled. Um, then there's a lot of uh, um, a lot of equipment that ends up going through the surplus system. And what's cool about this is it's not just like you know uh, computer and officey stuff. It's like when they do like a remodeling project and they do um, so like some of the buildings. Uh, uh, one of the buildings on campus used to be a. Uh, a middle school, I believe, at one time, like years and like a hundred years ago, <laughs> and uh, it has all these lockers in it. And like as they're redoing parts of this building, like they're putting the lockers in, on, on surplus for nice. sale. Yeah, uh. and, I'm, and I'm actually trying to I'm, I'm trying to score some of these. I've been keeping an eye out for these yeah, because that'd be good, like, I want entryway kind of. Yes, yeah, I want, and you can slip you can slip notes to people. <laughs> but then there's also the um, I found a company that sells lockers. They're super expensive, but what they do is they powder coat them. And they look amazing. Uh, so what I was thinking about doing is uh, there's got to be somebody in town um, that can do the powder coating stuff for me. Yeah. Uh, and if I just have the lockers, then I could have a pretty sweet, you know, foyer. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm keeping an eye out for that. But occasionally, I'm I'm almost always never there early enough because you have to be there like the doors open at like nine, right? But you need yeah. to be there at like seven. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of like a, a crazy rush. And um, there's always stuff that's just like lickety-split gone. And a lot of furniture goes quick. Um, there was a uh, – it must have been like a culinary program that got like all new stuff one time because they had like some really nice like stainless steel kitchen stuff. Oh, yeah. And like every single thing I saw had already been like tagged and picked up. Uh. So yeah, there's it's it's kind of a it's kind of a rush. So my fortunate find was they had a couple limit one per customer, uh, thirty inch cinema displays. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I got one, and it what? was three hundred three hundred bucks. Wow! Yeah, wow! So here's the thing about this though. Well, yeah, what generation though? 
Oh, it's well when they stop making them. I mean, they don't. I don't think they do. They make them now. Uh, I think make... the twenty seven is the biggest one they do. Is it really? I think so. I think this was this. They stopped making this particular model in two thousand twelve or two thousand eleven. Huh. Okay. I have really bad allergies. If I'm sniffling, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not contagious. Don't worry. It's uh It's all all allergens. But anyways, um, the monitor's uh, great. It has like a couple of like you know little scratches on the on the aluminum as you would expect yeah. um, being in a university. But yep. uh, usually things like monitors um, are all like on a video wall. But these, probably because they're so huge and expensive, uh, they put them up on this, um, <laughs> especially by these standards. I mean, you can usually buy like a 20-inch LCD there for like 50 bucks. Yeah. Just for context. That's, so yeah. this, and, and this monitor, from what I can tell, I could probably like go put it on eBay and clear a grand on it. Yeah. So I mean, sure. Especially, still, yeah, so I'm looking. Yeah, they, the 27 is does appear to be the biggest. In fact, the only possibly display they sell anymore. Yeah, I think that's probably true because the yeah. Thunderbolt. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, so this this is a pre Thunderbolt uh, display, but I don't really care because, um, you know, the only machine that I have that does Thunderbolt is uh, uh, the Retina MacBook Pro. But the uh, <clears throat> so I'm going through the. Uh, the, the motions here and they don't have these hooked up but they have like a little sign on them that says um, uh, you know tested working etc cetera, etc cetera, one per customer 300 bucks and I'm like great yeah. so I go I, I get in line and I wait and I wait and I wait and I eventually get to the front of the line and, and uh, I stroll up to the counter and I'll say you know I'll take one of those monitors over there and, and okay great and they had me pay for it and I uh, walked out with it and, and got it home so then I, I set it up I at first what I thought I was going to do is I thought I was going to put it on a Vesa arm because I actually have a Vesa mounting kit for my old 24 uh, inch iMac. Yeah, and it's kind of a convoluted process where you got to like unscrew this thing that's that it's bolted to stand and everything because it's all flush. So you have to be it's not like a standard bracket, but then you put this thing on it and you're fine. Yeah, but uh, because this is such a monstrosity, it's actually it's actually much bigger than the uh, old Vesa brackets. But I was like, well, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. I'll I'll put it on my desk, and as I'm putting it on my desk, and I hook it up, um, I plug it in, and I power it up, and I realize there's like these two red spots oh. on the glass, and I'm like, "That's weird." And I'm like, and I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to see where they're at, and they're small, but they're not tiny. And it's one of those things where at first I thought it was like a stuck pixel or something, yeah, but they're a little too big for that. So I'm like thinking to myself, like this is so weird and like I can't figure it out and I'm like well maybe this isn't such a bad thing like maybe it won't drive me nuts um, because you know me I'm, I'm so easygoing and <laughs> hardly anything ever gets to me I'm, I'm so unflappable Alan that would be I, I think a two red dots on the monitor you use to do your computing stuff would be like that ah that would also yeah, top, get top to... left corner but yeah so anyways yeah. It, it's, it's also one of those things where when, when you know that they're there you can't not notice it yeah so I'm kind of annoyed, and I'm thinking to myself, and uh, and I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. Like they said, you know, it was all tested and working. And I think that should imply that there was some. Um, I think I'm not unreasonable to expect that, you know. And on the other hand, like it's kind of like an all sales or final type thing, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, like, I hope I'm not going to be a total meanie about this. I'll I'll call them up on Monday. Then the next day, I'm still this is still bugging me, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, what the heck is this coming from? And I. And then I, I picked up the sign that was on the front because it, it said, you know, $300 uh, limit one per customer or whatever. Now, it says it, it used to say it was uh, 350 because they had four of them. Yeah. They had four. 
the the previous sale, and then apparently they sold two, and then they had two left. So they marked them down to three hundred. And when they marked them down, someone took like a, a magic marker and they went through the uh, price, uh, and, it was, and it's our big red stripe, right? <laughs> so I I'm like this this has to be like bleed yeah. through the paper because they had this on there. So when I called the surplus guys up on Monday, they were super apologetic and uh super nice also um but uh they talked to the guy that because uh, I, I needed to know like what marker it was really yeah and and how can i get it off? so uh the guy uh one of the guys gets back on the phone and he's like i you know he says uh just talk to the guy that did it and he says that um if you uh if you're really careful and you take some rubbing alcohol just a little bit it should just come right off and I said, you tell him that I will be as careful as he was. <laughs> and, and, and he laughed and he's like, yeah, he's not going to be, he's not going to hear the end of this for quite a while. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was like, okay, thank you very much. I, I come home and I try it and sure enough, like I took like a little Q-tip and like literally like a, just a dab of rubbing alcohol and it lifted right off. So nice. it was absolutely no big deal. So now I am very, very, very happy. Wow. But then, uh, after that, it's basically just been um, pretty busy at work. There's a uh, you were saying before the show when I was like typing on something, you're like, "Is your keyboard getting louder?" There's this cool uh, Matthias. I've been like stalking their keyboards on eBay because they make quiet mechanicals, yeah. and they're not, you know, obviously they're not like whisper quiet, but they're definitely quieter than this one. Um, but I was at their website the other day, and they have this crazy like ergonomic split two hander sure. keyboard. Yeah, and I'm all in on that. So they're doing something with it. Uh, I think in August or something like that. So I got to pick that up. But I've been spending so much time hopping between laptop and and desktop lately, and I've been just busting my hump uh, for the man with this whole Heartbleed thing, which we'll talk yeah. about later. Yep. But um, I am done having computers with eight gigs of RAM in them. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been juggling uh, when I'm doing assessment work or when I'm doing any sort of like visualization or modeling stuff for people, I get so mad on the machines that I have that still have like eight gigs. I've got, and, and they're both my work machines. So my, my quad core mini has eight gigs of RAM and it's terrible. And then my retina MacBook pro is ordinarily fine. But then the minute I give it like, you know, a, a 200 meg Excel document. Like the thing just pretends it <laughs> has no idea what to do with itself. Like it just goes bananas. Huh. So I'm pretty mad about that. But, um, so that's been, uh, my life lately is, uh, looking through, uh, scan output and just trying to get through. But the heart has been pretty busy. How about you? What are you um, doing? Let's see. So, um, I've been watching a lot of baseball. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's that. That's the one with the baskets. Yeah. Or no, 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 with the bases. Uh, I know. I know you love all the sports. Um, yeah, it's the it's the one where the where they run around the 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 diamond. Um, diamonds. They're not like blood diamonds. Uh, the, originally they were. They that stopped in in the thirties. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, Jackie M- Robinson. That's right. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, I think, I, I mean, I've actually talked, uh, several times on the show before, I think even recently, fairly recently about MLB TV, but, um, just wanted to, uh, give it another shout out cause I have definitely been enjoying it. They've, they've got apps on, uh, they now have an app on the Xbox one, which is great. It supports voice commands, which are way more useful than I thought they'd be. Um, oh. 
being able to uh yeah usually usually i come home and there's a game like most are like halfway in progress um and so i will come home i will uh you know start getting some food together um i will you know say the words that i can't say right now or it'll turn on um and then i'll like say go to mlb you know uh uh select game whatever and, and it'll just open up i won't have to find the controller it's great um great it'll identify me by my face like it all it works really well um and uh uh, hey, that's amazing. I right. I mean, it's like it's it's this thing that I you would never like. You look at that on paper of like it supports these voice commands and this will allow you to do it without even needing a controller. And you're like, well, the controller is always in my living room. Like, how this is not a big deal. But uh, it, like, I am using the Xbox One for watching MLB um, when I have like five other devices that could do it, just because the Xbox One supports voice commands and it is slightly sure. easier. So, um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I've been watching a lot of that. They also have an app that came out for Chromecast recently, but I haven't actually tried it yet, so can't say um, how good or bad that is. Do you have you had a chance to look at Plex on Chromecast? Or Chromecast? How I'm, does that work? I'm not a Plex user, so oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, All right, never so mind. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so I've been watching a lot of baseball, and uh, the Padres are doing okay. Not amazing, but okay. Um, what league are they in? They. <laughs> Or isn't there like divisions or something? Yeah, there's the the National League and the American League. The Padres are in the uh, NL West, National League West division. So okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, and they're they're currently second to last in the NL West, but not by a lot. They're only about two games behind, so it's not actually that big of a deal. And the Diamondbacks are last, and they're like sixteen games behind. <laughs> okay. Or I don't know, twelve games, something. Anyway, they're doing Where are they from? very poorly. Uh, the Diamondbacks, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. I don't actually know what city in Arizona. I imagine Phoenix, but I don't actually know. They're just the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, anyway, um, so that's happening. Um, I also watched the movie The Mummy. Ooh, yeah, the original <laughs> The Mummy. Oh, from like the 1930s or whatever. For, no, uh, sorry the the original remake The Mummy. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah, I know, I know. But can so, you smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> Uh, isn't he in it no he's not in the he's not in the original he was in uh uh one of the sequels i think i don't know um but uh yeah um isn't he uh, the mullet king it's um it's it's brendan fraser and um uh rachel weiss Man, he's a great actor. Uh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I like I have a strong. He dislike. really carried that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I have a strong dislike for Brendan Fraser, but in, in this movie, he does what he needs to do. He's the, like the sort of, you know, macho, clueless. He doesn't like choke on his own vomit. He does what he's supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Each day is a gift, Brendan. <laughs> anyway, so here's here's the thing. Um, uh, this movie is sort of is is um like surprisingly well executed i didn't think i'd i i do not like brendan fraser like you know this it, this movie did not sound appealing to me on paper um but it is actually surprisingly well executed um and is is pretty much everything you want from a mummy movie uh okay so i'm just saying if you if you have have uh disregarded the mummy because uh you know you thought eh, brendan fraser trashy action movie you know whatever it's actually worth seeing. Just I think uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a better mummy movie. <laughs> That's that might be true. <laughs> um, 
And then, uh, and, and the mummy only has like ten seconds of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of underrated films, oh, there we go. Uh, I also rewatched uh, the Santa oh. Claus. Oh, come on! <laughs> you know, I actually have that now with with Tim Allen. Have you watched it? No. <laughs> So, I, I have it. I have it on hand, though, because I want to before uh, before the next Hanukkah rolls around, so we can talk about it. Yeah, so we should I've, talk about it. Cause, yeah. So I I rewatched it, and uh, <laughs> turns out it's bad. Well, so <laughs> I've watched that movie many it's times. No Home Alone, and and I watched it fairly recently, like a few years ago, right? So like. Not that long ago, such that you wouldn't think that my opinion of it would change significantly between a few years ago and now. Um, but I rewatched it. <laughs> Good for and you. And it leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not the best Christmas movie ever. Is it what I'm here. might not be the best Christmas movie ever. Yeah. Right. So I just wanted to give it, because I know on the show in the past, I've hyped up the Santa Claus. Um, you have made an awfully hard sale for it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's I mean, a lot of so angry people because of here's, that. Here's the deal: I still think there is a lot of subtle humor in it that that people don't give it credit for. However, what I did not realize that that is that that subtle humor is bracketed by, uh, like very obvious non-humorous, you know, bland jokes. Yeah, I that's it. Sounds it still sounds like the kind of movie that I would need to be receiving treatment for glaucoma to really appreciate <laughs> if you know what i'm saying so i think i i don't know that i would really like but i uh, i do i do still think <clears throat> tim allen is superb in it <laughs> of course you do yeah that and galaxy quest i think he's great in both uh well i mean <clears throat> it's hard to not do well with sigourney weaver <laughs> yeah <laughs> Isn't she in that? She is. And um, uh, Alan Rickman is in it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Man, um, yeah. someone else good, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's. Um, yeah. Galaxy Quest is great. Um, Santa Claus, you know. Anyway, just wanted to give an updated opinion there. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Free Enterprise. There's a. It's not a space movie, but um, it's about a bunch of guys that like. Uh, that like movies, especially uh, science fiction stuff, and uh, uh, William Shatner has uh, an appearance in the movie. Really? Yeah, it's pretty good, and it, it it's not at all like Galaxy Quest, but at the same time, I can't help but think about it. It, because, it sounds similar, but yeah, okay, huh. yeah. And like one of the guys is way into Star Wars and has like you know the yeah. Criterion Laserdisc collection, yeah, <clears throat> which I also uh, own, so I can <laughs> kind of relate. Um, yeah, it's the Galaxy Quest is pretty good. Um, Starship Troopers, I also put in that same category with sure. like this intentionally over the top. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, Hearthstone came out for iPad. This was a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it was very clear from the beginning. We even talked about this that sort of <laughs> the interface was designed such that, despite the fact that it came out for, for, you know, desktop platforms first, the interface was very much designed such that it could work as a touch interface. And it's a much better game on that platform, I think. I mean, I think it's, I think the, I don't think the, I mean, the, the game mechanics are the game mechanics, but as far as um, uh, where it fits into your life, um, yes, I think it makes a ton of sense on an iPad. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect game for like, 
you know, 15 to 20 minutes before going to bed. It's a perfect yep. game for um, commutes. For commutes. It's a perfect game for uh, uh, while you're, you know, sitting in the living room watching TV. Um, it's, uh, if, you know, in my case, it was a perfect game for waiting at the airport. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's it, it it makes total because the, the you know each game of Hearthstone is is sort of this you know fifteen to twenty minute thing that is very self contained. Um, it, it it actually just kind of makes a perfect wherever you can kind of pick it up and play type of game. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I will say so. I um I have it on my iPad Mini uh, first generation, so not the Retina Mini. Um, and yes. it's it's a bit sluggish. It's a bit sluggish on the iPad three also. Okay, yeah. Um, but I I fully expect that I'll be uh, bumping to a a new revision once uh, the next bump to them comes out. Yeah, that's so I was I'm planning to do that as well to bump to if they release a new mini sometime this year. I I think they're going to probably at WWDC bump yeah. the uh, iPads to having Touch ID. Oh, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. So I don't actually like Touch ID because it makes the home button look uglier. <laughs> okay. And I don't use it, so like, yeah. Eh, I think I I, I, I mean, wouldn't use it. But, um, I, like, I like it. I like the idea. Yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. use it because I'm still on the uh, iPhone five. So I know. Just that home button looks so ugly. <laughs> I don't think it looks ugly. I mean, I don't I know why. Well, maybe the next revision they'll make it look better. I don't know. It just look. It's got this like lighter circle around it. It looks. More yeah, it's bulky. How it and, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's super bulky. <laughs> I it just doesn't look as good. Um. Anyway, so uh uh yeah, so so I have really been enjoying Hearthstone for iPad. Um, I have uh I, I was playing it at the airport, playing it in San Diego, and I was there for Easter weekend. Um, have been you know I have been watching Padres games and and playing it uh, on the couch while doing that. So, um, yeah, and it, uh, despite the the sort of little bit of graphical hitchiness um it it tends to work pretty well i'm actually really surprised how well you can switch in and out of the app and not you know get kicked out of games and whatnot yep um like i that is something that um i was very concerned about breaking down on uh on an ipad um i think they've done a good job with like the handling of uh network changes yeah and yeah. like you know, foreground, background, it seems to be pretty reliable. Certainly yeah. more reliable than other software that I've used recently, like One Password, which like blew up my my browser tabs after like five seconds once, and I was <laughs> mad. Huh. Um, yeah, they they seem to have done a good job. Um, and uh, we haven't played a match yet. We haven't. No, actually, I was yeah, I was thinking about that before the show. Um, uh, we should. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, I've mostly seen you online in Diablo three as of late. So yes, because yeah. the expansion's been uh, pulling me in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, so um, and Diablo uh, is one of the. I see. Lately, my game time has been uh, while I'm working on other things. Yeah. So like, I'm doing something, and then I have to wait for something to happen. So I'm either waiting for uh, a simulation to run, or a scan to finish, or a report to generate, or something like that. And so I'm like, okay, I got like five minutes whatever and i don't like being in a situation where i would have to like bail out of a game or leave someone yeah. waiting yeah yeah so i i tend to do solo single player diablo but yeah yeah cool um so yeah that's uh we got you onto app.net 
You did. I joined App.net uh, right after the previous show because uh, we were talking about it on the show. And yep. uh, it's, I felt like it was to the point where I needed to check it out. So, What do you think? Um, so I've not used it extensively. I've kind of, I, you know, I've, I've been reading posts on it occasionally. I've got um, an app for my iPhone called Repost. Yep. That's, um, uh, do I use Repost? Yeah, I think I do. R-I-P-O-S-T-E, Repost. Yeah, um, I think I well, I think I've bought like a ton, and I know that one's like free now, but there's like a pro upgrade or whatever. Yeah, um, I don't remember all the ones I've had. Netbot, and that was pretty cool. Um, I've had, well, I've used several, but Repost is the one that I'm that I'm currently using quite a bit, anyways. Yep, yep. Um, one thing I noticed with uh, with all these apps, and I'm. I don't know if I like it or not, is they try to be extremely minimalistic with the amount of UI elements they put on screen. Um, so, it, like, I guess, you know, repost takes this pretty far, but, you know, um, th- there's basically, there, there's, like, I'm looking at it right now, there's one button on screen, which is the right post button, and everything else is just posts. Uh, well, you can, I mean, that's adjustable. I know, you can actually customize it, yeah, yeah. Um, you should check out, if, if that's kind of driving you nuts, uh, Felix goes so far as to have like a little puck that sits on the screen and you use the you use gestures and the puck to like manipulate what's going on it's crazy uh, yeah um, yeah i mean it's kind of cool to have this to to have have variety and options in in clients so um what so so um uh immediately after joining app.net i like it's um the, the kind of the initial experience of of navigating and trying to figure out what things were, uh, I found very confusing. Um, mm. Like it was um, the the I mean I, I think I eventually got it, but like at first it was kind of unclear. It's like why is the messaging part of this like a separate app? Like that's kind of weird. Yeah. A lot of because it's not a microblogging service, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it has one. And it has a messaging service and it has, you know, there's, it is definitely a little bit different. It's not like, um, you know, Twitter where you do everything in the one place. Right. But it, yeah. this is uh, alpha. The, the microblogging side is definitely where um, most of the socializing takes place. But then there's things like Patter, um, which is like a group uh, chat and messaging channel service, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. And then there's the whole push thing. There, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, and then the broadcast, like I, well, the other thing that was I kind of expected to be able to find, like, where is all the discussion on topic X happening? Um, yep. And that was never really clear to me. I, mean, I guess you can search for a hashtag, but then, like, there's no way to save that. There's no way to, like, you know. Well, that's client dependent, right? So, yeah. in, uh, like, Repost, you can do it pretty easily. There's, yeah. like, that whole integrations and, and search thing, and then you can save searches and... Right, but there's no like, there's no network level sense of like I'm subscribed to this hashtag or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, not on Alpha, but if you're yeah. like in Patter, that that does. Okay, happen. okay. But yeah, so it, it's it's definitely different. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, I th- when it comes to like uh, the microblogging side of things um, on Alpha. I one thing I really like about AppNet is uh, it's a very high signal to noise ratio compared to everything else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, however, so. But I mean, here's the thing: like the signal is all people talking about like technology and software. <laughs> There's a, that's certainly the predominant. Uh, Which, like, uh, to, to be fair, I don't mind. Um, but it's just like you know, um, 
when 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 you know I, I'm looking at like what I think is sort of the the global public feed, and like eighty percent of posts are about you know specific technology and software topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other twenty percent are people being like, "Good morning, <laughs> good night, app dot net." <laughs> yeah, um, it's like there's you know th- it doesn't feel like there's a lot of depth there as far as um, uh, or there's not a lot of breadth there. I, I mean, as, you know, as far as uh, uh, you know, topics go. So like, I would want to search for you know, food or like you know, um, Bay Area or or SF or whatever or like you know. Um, uh yeah like sort of you know specific topics and it seems like it's it seems like it is it is currently in the state where it's like this one big you know uh technology chat room type of thing you know? it's like a nerd pile yeah exactly um and there's nothing wrong with that like i think twitter was a lot like that in its early oh. days um and then you know sort of the, and like the uh world invaded um, what, what was the uh uh, uh, uh it's like Changed names and completely different service now. It used to be status.net, and now it's something else entirely. I don't even remember, but they, um, that, that was kind of like their whole user base was very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed to be, at least, you know, I don't know. Um, anyway, so I, but I think it is, I think it is super interesting. Um, it's, it seems like an interesting, fresh approach to the idea of building a, a social ish network. So. Yeah, and I like using um, <clears throat> the messaging service for things like uh, uh, even like photo sharing stuff. I like that. And then there's um, I also enjoy um, the way that with if this then that. Oh, right. You can you can do some really cool stuff with it. So like I do use app.net as kind of like a um, it's like the one thing that I feel like I actually do control other than my blog, right? So um, I can put something there and then have it subsequently get fed out to the other services yeah. that I don't really control or have any say over. Yeah. Um, and because there's no advertising, like I, I never get like really furiously annoyed at it like I do with uh, Twitter or Facebook or other things. Um, so I, that's kind of what's keeping me interested in it and why I've been paying the, uh, the, the money for it. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, I think... Uh, I, I like it a lot. Cool. All right. Uh, we have some PSAs. Yeah, the first thing we talked about on App.net was this uh, iOS battery thing. No, I think the first thing we talked about on App.net was like, hello. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> what am I doing here? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, right. Um, the first, uh, I guess, I don't know, I replied to your post on App. How do I use Auto Awesome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh yeah um uh there's a post that you linked to about how to uh diagnose and con- uh conserve your uh iOS battery usage. This is fantastic. Yeah. Because most most tutorials or most like, you know, um troubleshooting tips or whatever, they have like a couple of really really simple and superficial things like you know, turn off the parallax effect and turn down the screen brightness. Uh just really stupid dopey things like that whereas this guy actually um working in an apple store uh had gone through pretty much why is my why is my phone dying like 50 times a day for two years or what have you um and he had some other tips on there that i thought were really useful uh specifically related to um things like background app refresh and uh, push notification stuff and uh a bunch of other things too but the one that really helped me um, tremendously was 
if you know you have a Mac and Xcode installed, you can fire up uh, instruments and do like system monitoring on your iOS device. And you don't have to have like a developer account to do this. And you can also look at the console messages on your phone by hooking it up to your Mac and, and running uh, Xcode's device manager and then just kind of attaching to the console. Yep. And so like, you know, really grisly uh, Unix neckbeards will say, also just like attaching a serial console on my Livingston Portmaster to my Spark <laughs> 4. And you can say, yes, it's exactly like that because it is exactly that. Yep. Um, yep. And this uncovered a quite, a quite a few things for me. Namely, um, two things that were absolutely killing me were, as the author of that article says, the Facebook app is brutal. Yep. And um, I can't remember the other one. But one of the steps that he had you walk through, though, where you could kind of just run instruments for a while and um, check back on it and see, like, my phone wasn't going to sleep. So basically, my, my screen would shut off, but the device wasn't sleeping, and so it would... It was basically like on all day. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, he described the, the simplest test. He described was uh, look at your battery uh, or look, look at your phone's usage statistics. Now turn off the screen. Now wait a while. Now turn it back on and see if the the reported usage has increased significantly in that amount of time. Yeah, which which numbers moved? Right. Yeah. It should only be one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then that'll help you know if, if it's actually if it's not actually going to sleep when you turn the screen off. So, so in my case, there were there were a couple of issues. One was that I had um, uh, a really overzealous refresh, and I think there's something wrong with uh, my campus Exchange servers because uh, it was the Exchange um, ActiveSync was one thing that was just brutal. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what the cause of that would be because well, it's like uh, yeah, it's a bunch of retries or something. Yeah, who knows? And I can't even begin to get get into where I would have to talk to to even investigate. So um, I I just turned that off because I don't I don't really care. Yep. And then um, I mean I left the calendar thing on, but I don't have it doing my my email. And I turned off push for that uh, exchange account and have it just do a scheduled hourly thing. Cause I'm yeah. like, my calendar never changes more than once an hour. So yeah, it's not yeah. going to be a big deal. Um, the other thing was, uh, one of my apps had like a corrupted cache or something. So like it was constantly, st- it would start and then it would basically just burn itself out trying to write to a file that didn't exist. And uh-huh. it was, uh, it was some sort of corruption issue. Um, going into the app and like finding a setting that let me, kill its cash, um, resolve that issue. And cool. then there was one other, I can't remember what else there was, but there, there's some, there's some really good stuff in there and like how to diagnose and, and using the instruments application to actually monitor in real time. It's basically like using process viewer or activity monitor on yeah. your Mac. Yeah. But, uh, even for a specific process, if you want to like really drill into it that far, you can do that. It's, it's way, way cool. And, um, definitely, uh, help me out. So, um, it's a good read. Yep, and at so uh, at a, at the dumbest level, at the simplest, like if you just want the simple, quick fix level, take a look at background app refresh. Um, go into yeah. settings, general or settings usage. I forget where it is. It's in the article, but um, uh, and disable any background app refresh that you're not uh, that you don't care about, mm-hmm. or just d- disable all of them. Um, well, yeah, I mean, this is a feature that was added in iOS 7, and it doesn't affect push notifications. So really all of this is a, it's a convenience thing. So it's basically like, you know, when you run um, 
uh, your copy of you know Evernote or whatever, you, it doesn't have to do a sync when you start it. Yep. Yep. Oh, and the the other big takeaway on this was to not kill the apps. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. So you may think that like double tapping the home button and then. Uh, quitting an application will help you, but it doesn't. It no, actually because it, it unloads them from RAM, which then means that the next time you open it, you're loading it back into RAM, and that al- operation is costly as, as far as CPU and battery power goes. Yeah, so. it's far better to let iOS do it for you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's in uh, settings and then general and then background app refresh. And I find, like, I actually check this every once in a while because I find that you'll I'll install a new app, and it will just, like, enable background app refresh without telling you. Um, and so yeah, you go in here and you'll like eBay apparently just added it. It's like, I don't, I don't need it for eBay. So turning that off now. Um, uh, yeah. So just like you'll have apps that you already had installed and they do an update and they add background app refresh and you have no idea. So you always want to go in here and kind of check and make sure that only the stuff you actually want to be refreshing yeah, the, in the background is doing. The only so. things that I do that with, or that I, uh, let use a background app refresh right now out of the, like, in absurdly high number of applications I have installed on my phone. Um, I have Fantastical, Find Friends, If This, Then That, and Meraki. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've Everything got, else is turned off. I've got my podcast syncing <clears throat> app because it, it syncs podcasts in the background, which is nice. Um, yeah. The Google search app uh, because it does constant. Oh, yeah. You do like, Google now too, right? It, yeah, it does constant location tracking, which then gives me location history, which is awesome, seeing like the full trail of where I've been. Um, and then it does. You can do uh, that with this and that too. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, and then and then it does. It, it feeds into Google now, so it you know if it's if it constantly knows my location, it can do things like tell me, looks like you're at work and you're about to commute home, and here's you know look the traffic's bad, you might want to go another way, you know that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So um, yeah, Google Maps, you need to have background refresh on, otherwise it won't be able to do driving directions uh, with your phone screen turned off. Yep. Um, uh, Hangouts. Uh, I have. Um, uh, it's mostly Google apps that I have background refresh on. Yeah, uh, I. You know, I don't have a background refresh on for uh, for uh, Google Hangouts, but I still get the push notifications just fine. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's really it's a matter of you know how instant do you need things to be? Yes. If you can wait can you, sixty yeah. seconds for a push, then just do that. Yep. Yep. Um. Cool. All right. And then, uh, what is this other thing you've added? Oh. So <clears throat> there's a company called Curious Little Apps, and they have software for Android and for iOS. And uh, one of the apps that they make um, is called Endless ABC or Endless Alphabet. And I cannot recommend this enough for anyone that has uh, kids in the house mm-hmm. um, or has um, uh, like a friend that they want to recommend something to. This is seriously this good. The software is great. Um, I haven't used all of their software, uh, but the ones that I have used are just unbelievably exceptional. And I love the animation, and I love, like, the artwork is great. Cool. Um, but here's what's great about this is uh, my Rev-A iPad, um, Prue's walking around with it. <laughs> and she knows how to use it, and she's, like, able to operate it. And... Um, one of the side effects of this is that uh, she's able to, um, and I'll get into like how I'm managing that in a little bit, but uh, Endless Alphabet is fantastic. And what it is, is it's like these uh, little animated monsters in like this uh, paper, this like, it's, it's like a paper craft style yeah. um, stuff. And so there's like this, um, this textured, brightly colored environment and like you have these letters and they go through words 
and uh, and you have to like arrange the letters correctly. So it's kind of like a puzzle. Yeah. And yeah. so here, she's not. Even, she turns two next month. She's able to like pick up a book now and like read off the letters to us. That's awesome. Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. That's great. And she's like, you know, and and if you say like, you know, what does what does an R say? She'll say R R R R R because <laughs> that's what they say when you, when they when you pick them up. And then uh, like, you know, L is la 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 la. So, so she's she's really learning how these letters form together and like she can't even like say the words yet but she's starting to like understand reading them yeah yeah <laughs> which is pattern recognition yeah that's, that's super cool and see here's the thing is it's not necessarily just the pattern recognition stuff because there's some books where like just she loves to be read to and uh she goes through books like crazy and um you know she here she's most of them have been read to her so many times that she knows what's happening like as you're reading it. And this stuff is not like that because she'll do things like back. Like you can point to like a page in one of her books and she'll do the letters, you know, back to front. Like she's not remembering the letters and the words and the sounds that they make because she's heard them a million times. She's doing it because she's like built them and assembled them in this app and like right. knows what they do. And that's, that's a little bit different. Like seeing that jump is uh, pretty crazy. And I, um, it's pretty remarkable. And she's, uh, I mean, everyone thinks, you know, their kid's a genius, but my daughter's a genius <laughs> and I owe it all to endless alphabet. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, it's great software though. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it's like five bucks or something. So it, it's well worth it. And they make cool. for a wide variety of, uh, age ranges too. There's yeah, all sorts of stuff. They've got a little selector on their site where you can click a, a yeah. age range and they show you all the apps that work for them. That's, and then there's yeah. like accounting. There's a numbers one too that she likes. Um, she, <laughs> sometimes uh she doesn't like to go past two uh but then, but then she'll she'll pick up at around seven she loves seven um and then eight and nine and then ten she likes to scream she's like ten <laughs> cool but yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy but the the ones that she's uh the software she uses the most on on the ipad is endless alphabet uh the count the, the endless numbers or whatever they call it um the another monster at the end of this book the grover ebook um which is like a it's a sequel to one of the classics that I loved when I was a kid, which is kind of amazing. Um, and then she also likes the uh, PBS has a show called Peg Plus Cat, uh-huh. which is tons of fun. It's about math, and uh, it it's actually it's it's very engaging. And uh, they have an app called like um, you know Peg Plus Cat, uh, Cat Jam Session or something because they play music and they sing songs and stuff. And and she likes to do that. She also likes Garage Band. And um, you know, she's not like composing music or anything, but she loves to play around. To play. It. Yeah, she loves the string section. She likes uh, hitting the <laughs> piano. She likes everything. And we have a piano in the house too. But um, she definitely is uh, all about the iPad. Cool. Yeah. Th- yeah. These. I was looking through their apps. They look really, really gorgeous. That's. Aren't they really nice? Like yeah. I, I think they used to. I think the people that started this company might have come out of PBS at some point. Like. Mm. There's some crossover where they did some software work for somebody else and then started making their own or something like that. It looks like they have the official Mad Libs app as well. So they're doing, like, I don't know, brand name stuff, too. Oh, yeah. These guys, they know what's up. Like, they, um, I mean, first of all, having something that can, like, uh, take that much attention from somebody, but also, like, someone with, like, the the motor skills and and attention of of a 11 month or a, yeah. uh, 23 month old that's uh yeah yeah that's no small feat so that's awesome uh, 
Yeah, the uh, the other thing that she uh, likes more than anything else right now, uh, other than the iPad, is Frozen. She's watched Frozen like a million times. <laughs> and it's the first thing she asks for when she wakes up. She wants to sing uh, Let It Go. Yeah. And, uh, and she likes to dance. So she likes it if I pick her up and like twirl her around. It could be worse. It could be Cars too. So. Uh, yeah, one of my nephews is all about the Cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we've got we've got some time left. Um, obviously, Heartbleed is the yeah. Biggest. We should probably we'll do Heartbleed and then we'll push Meraki. Okay, let's do that because yeah, Heartbleed is is obviously a super big topic recently. You've been very involved in uh, some of the remediations. Yeah, some of the fallout from Heartbleed. Uh, so what's going on? So um, it's very discouraging sometimes because the one of the things that uh, people in my profession tend to pound into people's heads quite a bit is to use encryption mm-hmm. and to use HTTPS and to use SSL and to check certificates and things like this um, as a way to not only ensure that the information that you're sending to a website or an application or a service is being transferred safely, but that you're also talking to the right place. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of years, there's been some serious breakdowns in that process. Um, on the certificate authority side, we've had a couple of compromises there um, where certificates are being issued to the wrong parties or um, things like that. There's also the issue of um, intermediary proxies that insert themselves into the process. So people are still having their traffic decrypted before they re-encrypt it and pass it along somewhere else. Um, it's kind of like a whole new industry that's been carved out in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was um, there's a one of the more popular, or one of the most popular uh, library that's used by software developers to implement uh, SSL encryption is OpenSSL. And there was a couple of, of versions of the software that were vulnerable to this thing that let people that knew how to do this or to look for it um, use one of the functions of that software library to essentially return chunks of memory from the server. And that doesn't sound like a really huge deal until you realize that that could be anything that gets transferred to the server. And you're thinking to yourself, well, but everything that I'm sending is over SSL. And it's like, well, it gets decrypted when it's at the server. So everything's decrypted there. And you also have to worry about the fact that if the server's keys are compromised, then people that have been monitoring or recording traffic for an extended period of time can play that back and recover the traffic. And after all of the, um, in a post-Snowden world, uh, we have uh, all sorts of, uh, in addition to, might what I think is mostly over the top tinfoiling. Mm-hmm. There are some legitimate concerns I feel that are that are important as well. Um, I this is one of the things that I find very frustrating about open source is that you have the project, the OpenSSL project, which is um, broadly used by a great deal many people for many, many applications and services. And um, as uh, uh, one of our dozens of listeners pointed out on on app.net, they said, well, you know, the Heartbleed vulnerability only affected like, you know, 7% of the web servers uh, on the internet. And and yeah, that's possible, but there's also other services that use SSL or OpenSSL in particular. Um, For example, um, 
if you have like a Synology NAS, the FTP daemon that they run also uses OpenSSL. Um, there's uh, any number of like uh, uh, vendor lights out stuff that is linked against OpenSSL. So even if you don't have OpenSSL, if it's like a Windows machine on HP hardware, like some of those have these software agents that happen mm-hmm. to use OpenSSL because it's mm-hmm. a freely available library and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and, the, and especially on like appliance type stuff and uh, vendor glue like that, uh, you're in an especially vulnerable position because they are most often sorely out of date Yep. And do not maintain those pieces of code very well uh, because they, they don't have to because uh, it just does, you know, X, Y, or Z. But in this case, uh, X, Y, and Z includes dumping the contents of memory to people uh, that ask for it and <laughs> leaving no way to detect it on the server. So you have to be monitoring for this on the network. So um, that's a little sketchy. Yeah. So there's a, a, a lot of things when you're in an environment like mine, which is a campus open computing network with uh, an entire slash 16 of routable IPv4 address space and uh, IPv6 native to everything. And we have, at any given time, we have about um, 30,000 devices active on the network. And none of them are behind a firewall. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this, uh, uh, not you know in the sense that many enterprise or home networks would be where they have like some sort of a yep. NAT or something that's protecting them and some to some extent. Um, so we've definitely been busy hunting this stuff down and getting in touch with people all over the place. Um, we've managed to uh, stay on top of things pretty well. Um, our the product that we use on the network monitoring side for intrusion detection and prevention has been really good at keeping up with that. Um, so we've been able to uh, maintain good visibility there. Uh, the software is, uh, that we use for doing our vulnerability assessments and uh, scanning for vulnerable services was very quick to stay updated and current. Um, one of my favorite tools these days is ZMAP. I got to tell you, like, um, there's uh, the most common, like, you know, um, scanning tool is nmap and it's like this little command line utility and you can feed it a list of services or uh things to do and it has scripts that it can execute when it finds hosts so it looks for it looks for systems on a network and then it tries to figure out like what those services are running and what's uh-huh. available and then it can do all sorts of other stuff too um and it takes a, it takes a long time to do it it's it's a it's very fast at what it does by any other standard but then there's this new tool called zmap that i'm way in love with because it does as long as I'm only looking for one specific service, it can scan my entire address space in less than 40 seconds. Nice. So it ordinarily takes about eight hours <laughs> for me to like enumerate and detect systems. Um, I shouldn't say eight hours. Like if I'm just doing like, even if I just do like one port um, in Nmap where I'm looking for one thing, it can still take uh, you know three hours. But Zmap does it um, in a fraction of the time. So I've had to come up with some uh, very interesting workflow where I am uh, generating lists of services, uh, looking for them one at a time, and ZMAP, which um, you would think might start to become counterintuitive or counterproductive, but yet it's so much quicker that it's actually saving me tons of time and um, looking through some of that stuff, and then also doing a big project on like the data center side. So anyway, I, I've been super busy with enough things going on, but the Heartbleed thing has been really freaking me out. OpenSSL 
which is so broadly used and so critical, had three people working on it. And only one of them was full-time. Wow. So there's this situation where you have this software that everybody relies on and everybody's using, even if they don't know it. And uh, the people who are responsible for it are doing it essentially as a labor of love and are not getting support from the people that are tremendously benefiting from it. And I know that that's recently changed. Like I think this week a bunch of companies started saying, you know, they're going to set up uh, some funding um, to let people work on this or to help Mm -hmm. grow the projects or whatever. But I mean, (laughs) this is what really makes me sweat right now is that I know that one of the other crucial tools out there that people use for uh, safely managing systems all over the world is OpenSSH. And that's for, uh, an OpenBSD project. And the guy that's responsible for OpenBSD is routinely crapped on by everybody. Like, n- nobody gives this guy the time of day from what I can, you know. Historically, it's, it's always been like an uphill battle. And part of that is like a personality thing. On the other hand, it's, and on the other side of that is that uh, their software is under a different lo- type of license. So it's, because it's a BSD yeah. code base like it has like basically no restrictions whatsoever essentially like you can take their code and you can do whatever you want with it so there are plenty of vendors that actually like just take open ssh and then are able to use it and roll it out with their products and services and they don't have to like adhere to any of the same restrictions that you would with other licenses so they just do that and then um most notably companies like sun and oracle uh don't really do all like they benefit a great deal from it, but they don't do nearly enough in return. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, the people that work on open SSH are in a labor of love situation. They are writing absolutely critical and crucial code that impacts m- arguably more people potentially than open SSL does. Uh, even because even though most end users don't ever touch it, like SSH is used on the back end of everything. <laughs> like anytime a, a developer or an admin needs to safely move data from point A to point B, open SSH is in there somewhere. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this, but th- this is the one that really freaks me out because if there's a big problem with this um, and it's something that could have been solved just by having more eyes on it or more people working on it full time, <clears throat> that's going to be a really bad thing. So and it is, I mean, it, uh, has Heartbleed, I mean, it sounds like Heartbleed has gotten people to wake up with, with regard to, to OpenSSL, but like, is is it also, do you think, going to drive interest in auditing or contributing to or supporting other similar projects? You know, I, I, I hope so. Um, it definitely needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and there have been companies that over the years have like, you know, so when it, whenever w- there's been a couple times where I've worked places where when we got to the point where we had equipment in particular that I knew would be helpful for it, specifically OpenBSD, um, I would take the measures to camp outside people's offices and essentially petition for uh, being able to donate that stuff. So um, yeah. I've given some money to them myself personally, but uh, I've also gotten hardware donated. And, um, I don't know, like, I, I think, I don't think it happens nearly enough and it's not something that is well sorted out. And I think I'm not sure like how to address that. Like 
it's possible that like um I mean, like for for software and apps and things like that that people are working on, uh, it's pretty common to like you know someone go to Kickstarter and be like, "Look, I'm working." Like my my mail client that I love, Mailmate, uh, Benny, the developer, he went on like you know Indiegogo and said basically, "This is my my part time job, and if you want you know version 2.0 to come out ever, uh, I need to I should I need to collect or I need to make sure that I have at least some sort of cushion." Where I have X number of dollars because he's also I think he's a professor I think he's an instructor in Denmark, but uh, he's basically saying I'm on a part time teaching schedule because of this and I can't do that anymore so pay up or start to expect (laughs) slower software and and he was totally upfront about it he wasn't he wasn't being a dick or anything he's basically saying look he's he's setting expectations up front Um, and he cleared that in like a week like whatever his target was he he got it and then some so. That works really well for things like that, but I don't know if it works for setting up a foundation. You know, like you have the Mozilla Foundation, where you have like a large number of people who are kind of uh, you have a, a very formal board process and things like that. And uh, things like OpenBSD and OpenSSL and OpenSSH, by virtue of being under the OpenBSD uh, umbrella, it, it doesn't seem to have the same sort of um, structure. Or I don't know. It's so. Uh, it has the appearance of being very disorganized and inefficient or ineffective or that there's not really the same commitment that you're getting maybe because I mean, what's going to, I mean, I think people like if, at least for an end user, I, well, I'm not it's, expecting it's a lot harder to, to and make the case. Not, yeah. Yeah. And then user is not going to identify like all the great ways in which open SSL improves their <laughs> computing experience. You know, yeah. like it's not, it, you, you know, know, like no Firefox way. is pretty clear what's happening. Mailmate is pretty clear what's happening. You know, like, um, it, it's, but there's uh, all this like critical glue that's happening that people aren't aware of. Right. Yeah. And that, and what, but what really pisses me off, like that doesn't bother me so much. People, people never want to know how the sausage is made. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like this whole, like, you know, they, they love the stuff and however it works, that's great. Whatever. It's the people like IBM, Oracle, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Toshiba. There, there are so many companies that sell products, services, systems, all of this stuff that they build their reputation and their business on that is essentially on the backs of this open source and free software that they are not giving back to and not nearly in a proportionate way. And there are some exceptions here and there. And I know like one of the OpenBSD uh, developers works at Google's and, and I'm quite certain that they let him have a lot of time to spend on stuff like that. I, I know that's how that works over there, but I don't know that Google has, you know, offered even a small financial token to them. Yeah. I don't know. But, and same thing with Apple and like I mean there was a time uh, in like OS 10 server time where like the entire uh, underlying Unix subsystem uh, this is before uh, Mac OS 10 was officially out it was like in the uh, uh, OS 10 server 1.0-2 timeline uh, if I'm not mistaken, where most of the user land utilities were OpenBSD before uh, Jordan Hubbard went to Apple, and then they became more FreeBSD aligned. Mm. Um, but then, like, and again, like the FreeBSD project's another one where you have a ton of people. Like, uh, uh, I think it's Juniper. Um, 
and uh, a big IP like the F5, I think, is FreeBSD now. Like, there are tons and tons of huge, very expensive products and critical infrastructure that is built on free software. Yeah. And I'm not certain that they're getting a fair shake. And I think it's one thing to like uh, benefit from that and um, leverage open source stuff, but I find it very distasteful when there's not some reciprocity there. All right, uh, we are almost or we're over time, but before okay. we um, before we wrap up, I wanted to um, I wanted to pose the question of say I am Mr. Average user. Um, I've heard about Heartbleed. Sounds bad. Um, oh, yeah, I totally skipped over. <laughs> yeah, like what should I do? Right. Well, any any service that you use, you've probably gotten an email from. Um, yep. The problem is, is that you don't know if anything has been compromised because it was a very stealthy attack, and it's a vulnerability that's been around for a long time, and it's just now been found. And uh, I've been cautioning people to. This is a great time to like audit your passwords. Mm-hmm. So to find the services that you use, uh, especially the ones where you reuse your password. Um, in the same place or a different place rather because the same username and password pairing is often how people get their accounts compromised on various services or get their email accounts clipped, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But before you change your password, go to that website and see if they've made any sort of attempt to address the issue. Most of them will have like a press release of some sort somewhere that should be accessible on a news page or the company blog that says, um, we don't know if we were vulnerable or not, but we've you know fully patched and we have new certificates and new keys and we think we've done our due diligence here and uh, uh, done the right stuff. When that's happened, then you can change your password. But otherwise, there's really no point. Yep, yep. Because the worst case, I mean, the, you, you run the risk of either them still being vulnerable and you changing your password and now everyone's looking at it. So like now right. you're in a situation where everybody is looking for systems that are vulnerable to this because it's way too juicy to pass up. Yeah. So um, you want to interact with these services as little as possible until you've gotten some sort of confirmation from them that it's resolved. And any vendors that you work with, you should also be checking them. And you should be making sure that they have done what they need to do. Like we've had a couple of uh, new services on campus um, uh, just the way that like our process comes in where they um, they make a request and they say we want to be – we need this system to make an outbound request off campus to this service or whatever. And if – and I'll check. And if <laughs> – I've I've been denying requests <laughs> when I see that, you know, the, the vendor or the, the party that they're trying to interact with is vulnerable to this. I'm like, no, get bent. Tell them to mm-hmm. fix their stuff and then call us back. Yeah. Like it, there's really – there's – not everyone's in that situation. I understand that. But – it's definitely something that, that needs to be raised, um, not just you know at home, but also uh, wherever you work. But um, it's not like you know the the end of the world scenario. It's a it's a it's a in the grand scheme of things, it's a fairly small number of systems that are vulnerable to this. However, the ones that are, it's pretty bad. Um, and the thing is, uh, like I said, it's it's been a bug that's been in there for quite a while, and so who knows how long it's been been known privately. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Great. Well, thanks for the summary. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of a non-answer, but uh, change your passwords at places where uh, you have confirmation that yep. they've addressed the issue or that they were not vulnerable to, to begin with. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, and that will probably do it for, uh, for this episode of the Hell Yeah Show. If you want to contact us, you can email us at show at hellyeah.com. 
you can also find us on the web at show.hellyad.com. You can find us on Twitter machine, twitter.com slash hellyeahshow. Send us a tweet at hellyeahshow. And also find us on app.net, alpha.app.net slash hellyeah. All right. That will do it. We will see you in about two weeks.